listening to Ion Health on Dubai I 103.8. Delving into your overall well-being. With Arab Health, united by business, forging ahead. I'm Helen Farmer. You're listening to Ion Health here on Dubai I 103.8, brought to you by Arab Health and MedLab Middle East. We're discussing women's health today. Speaking next to Dr. Human Fatemi. He is the group medical director of Art Fertility Clinics. Having a look at the different regions around the world and why infertility differs quite so much. A bit of a special focus on women's health. And joining us now is Dr. Human Fatemi, the group medical director of Art Fertility Clinics. That's in the UAE, Oman and India too. So able to give us a bit of an insight into region-specific infertility and, of course, global trends as well. Doctor, thank you so much for being with us today. I feel like this conversation has rightly exploded over the last five to ten years. And whenever we do have discussions like this on the radio, we're always inundated by messages of support for other families or people who are trying to be a family um, going through treatment, people wanting to share the success stories. But above all, people wanting to reach out and say, I have been there too. And I'm always surprised, personally speaking, just how many people I know who have been through some kind of infertility journey and haven't felt comfortable sharing it until they're ready. Um, So thank you for being with us. And I know what you do is... Hugely, hugely important to so, so many people, both in terms of the education, but also the empathy that you um, demonstrate through your role. What is it about infertility that you were attracted to as a doctor for you to specialize in? So first of all, thank you for having me um, and thank you for for the questions. I think these are very relevant questions. Um, If you speak about infertility, um, you know, having worked in different parts of the world, Um, we have seen that the etiology, the infertility in different parts of the world seems to be significantly different. Um, And we have started seeing after moving to the Middle East that we are seeing in the Middle Eastern countries a completely different pattern of etiology of causes of infertility as what we have seen and we have learned in universities in the West. Um, The first thing which came to our mind is we are seeing a lot more of female infertility as compared to male infertility. Globally, you would say it's 50% male, 50% female, but I think these numbers are not correct. If if you take a look at the spermogram when you make an assessment of, of the sperm, and this is very interesting, you know, On daily basis, you can have huge variations of sperm concentration, sperm morphology, sperm mobility. You can go really from 100 to almost zero and back to 100 in a few days. And we are focusing a lot on these variations. I would call it biological variations that you have. So nature seems to put less importance on male, (laughs) but rather the female who is deciding if she's going to conceive or not. There you have some kind of stability. Interesting. Now, what what we have observed here, it's extremely interesting. You know, if you are born as a female, Um, Globally spoken, let's say you yourself, when you were 24 weeks of age in the uterus of your mother, at the age of 24 weeks as a baby in the uterus of your mother, you had around 7 million of eggs. It's a huge number. You would say, I don't want to have 7 million babies, uh, two or three are enough. But the the possibility is there. Possibility, yeah, it would have been there to emphasize of would have been there if you would have kept these eggs. But the the reality is this is not the case. 
the moment you are born, you go from 7 million to 1 million. So you just lose actually a lot of your eggs without using a single one of those eggs. Now you would say, but 1 million, I'm still happy with 1 million. Who wants to have 1 million children? The problem is when you are born, you're not ovulating. You don't have your period. So it will take another 13 to 14 years until you are having your first period, which means that you go from 1 million to 300,000. So you start with 7 million. You go to 1 million. You go from 1 million to 300,000. But then from these 300,000 that you have, you're going to use your whole life only 300. Mm -hmm. And from these 300, more than half will be genetically abnormal. What I find really interesting about, I I personally find this actually quite emotional as well, in that when I had my daughters, I remember my mum holding them and me saying to her, well, you realise that, you know, they are part of you as well, because when I was in utero, my eggs were inside me and one of those eggs has become the baby that you're holding now. And to think about that, I've just got goosebumps, to think about that connection through the generations is is so beautiful. But it's also when we think about the extreme drop off, I mean, seven to one million, you know, extraordinary, 300,000 when you hit that age of puberty. And historically, you know, young women were starting to have children in their teens around that age. And now in 2022, we're starting to have children a lot later. So what's the drop-off then between that age 13 to 14 and perhaps, well, looking ahead to maybe age 30, when most women now are are probably starting a family in the Western world? Yeah, that's a very different, a difficult question to answer and a very important question to answer. Now, the question you're asking, you're assuming that everyone has the same number of eggs. And that is a big mistake. That's what we all make. You see, you watch in in the the journals and newspapers, this celebrity got pregnant at the age of 45 or 50 or 55. Mm -hmm. But maybe we should also consider that they got pregnant not with their own eggs. And this is something which is extremely important to know. Now, the numbers I told you is the average. And when I told you in in the introduction of my uh, presentation, we see different kinds of infertility. Why? These number of eggs, first of all, you have a certain genetic predisposition. So you have a certain reservoir of eggs that you have. But based on the predisposition that you have and your lifestyle, the drop of these eggs can differ significantly. Mm -hmm. Meaning you can be 45 and you can still have a lot of eggs, which is a good thing. But you could be 25 and having no more eggs left. You see? So if you draw a curve and you look at the number of eggs that you have, everyone is different. Mm -hmm. So the first and most important question is, how many eggs do I have? Because genetic predisposition and lifestyle will have a huge impact on this reservoir. Me as a physician, if you ask me, do I prefer to see a patient who is 45 years, which is considered old for us, but has plenty of eggs, or 25 years and has almost no eggs, Give me the 45-year-old who has more eggs. So the number of eggs is important. Even when you say, look, people are postponing having children and putting career first, I think this is relevant. But the most important thing people have to ask, especially women have asked themselves, is how many eggs do I have? And there's a very simple test to identify that. And I think that's exactly it. It's about that education. But it's a pretty scary thing to admit to at age 25 that you want to start a family because... 
it's very rare, you know, in, in, in many cultures to have met the person that you want to spend your life with and start a family with. And you don't want to be going in on that on the first date. You know, you don't want to swipe and have dinner and then be saying, I'm going to get my follicles checked and see how many eggs I've got. Um, but I think it's only when you think about starting a family that you realise just how difficult it is to get pregnant and stay pregnant and have a healthy baby. Um, and doing that investigation is a huge part in, in order to make that informed decision. Can you tell us a little bit about that test to determine the number of eggs? And can you even determine quality of eggs as well, Doctor? Absolutely, absolutely. So the tests there are two simple tests that we do. One is a blood test where within 15 minutes we know how many eggs you have. And the other one, if you just do a scan, you just measure how many eggs you have. It's called an antrophilic count. But the question which is very important specifically for the population we are treating in the Middle East is why do we see, and this is what we see, that women in average seem to age 10 years faster than Caucasian women in the West. Really? This why? Is very, important. very important. When I told you initially we see a different kind of infertility here, is the aging process is accelerated. Now, you would not believe it. Um, you know, if you take a look at data from Scandinavian countries, if you go to Finland, Sweden, 30, 40 years ago, they calculated the time of conception. And I don't know if you have been in, in northern Finland or Greenland or Iceland in the winter, it's 24-7 dark, you know, they have no sun, it's really dark. So there is no sun exposure at all. It means sun seems to play a significant role in the activation of the oocyte. Now, we have conducted a lot of research since we are in the Middle East, and we published a lot of scientific publications in different journals where we described that based on the skin exposure to sun, you can calculate the aging process of your eggs. And of course, the culture in the UAE has been that women are completely covered. And if you have a complete coverage and absolutely lack of sun exposure on your skin, you have an accelerated decline of the number of eggs. So your eggs are aging faster and you go earlier to menopause. So what we have calculated is a difference between five to 10 years and accelerated aging process of the eggs. And this is extremely important to know. Mm -hmm. it re and that's exactly, it's about putting all these pieces together. And you mentioned earlier about the number and quality of eggs being determined by one genetics, which, you know, we have no control over, but also the lifestyle factors. Can you talk about some of the things at play that you perhaps as a fertility doctor might ask your patients to adjust or change in order to better their chances? You know, if you go back in human evolution, you see that um, we have been designed to be physically active. We have not been designed to receive all these high calories and being completely inactive. I mean, it's, um, it, it sounds a little bit, uh, I would say, boring from a physician listening, okay, you need to be physically active. But if you take a look at the receptivity of the uterus, if you take a look at the quality of the eggs, I think it's crucial that women are physically active, that you try to keep your body mass index this is the calculation between your height and weight, your body mass index, around 25. This is ideal weight to have a child. But something we have neglected, also in the West, we have neglected this. You know, if you go to a dermatologist, people will say, don't sit in the sun because it's harmful. But at some point, your body needs a little bit of sun exposure. If you have a plant and you put that plant in the dark, the plant will die. Give it as much fertilizer, as much water as you want. It's not going to survive. Human body, you need to expose your skin at least 20 to 25 minutes a day 
to sun. And the sun, it's UVB light. It's around 9.30, 10, 10.30 in the morning that you need to expose 20% of the surface of your body to the sun. Now, when I tell you 20%, then the question is, what skin color am I talking about? I'm talking about the European skin color. If you have a darker skin color, this can go up to two hours. So if you are from Central Africa, you need to have two hours, 20% of the surface of your body being exposed to, to the sun. What does 20% mean? That means your, your two arms and, and below your knees, obviously. Doctor, I'm in very much in favour of anyone who prescribes being on a sun lounger for 20 minutes a day. Um, but when we, when we think about that kind of so-called ageing population, by the way, I hate that phrase, geriatric mother. It breaks my heart. <laughs> but um, what uh, what about stress? You know, one of the factors that we're, we're seeing here in the UAE is people coming here for work, focusing on the career, perhaps meeting a partner later in life. And that career still being, of course, understandably a big part of their lives. But with work comes stress. What role does stress have when it comes to to getting pregnant if someone is struggling with their fertility? You know, stress has two parts. One is the positive part. I think human beings need stress for survival. But of course, too much stress is also not beneficial. Um, but the question is how you're dealing with the stress. The question is, I mean, you have stress, then you identify it and you try to deal with it as long as you try to keep healthy. Keeping healthy means having enough physical activity, um, keeping uh, an eye of what you eat, uh, that you have healthy food. And of course, you don't go towards alcohol or anything else because this is really detrimental for the, for the fertility, male and female infertility. Um, that can be dealt with easily. The most important thing, I think, is age and the ovarian reserve with women. This is something that every woman who wants to have a child or is postponing the fertility should have a look at. And it's not age which is the most important thing. Of course, age is very important. But the number and quality of the eggs, this is absolutely crucial for every woman to, to know about this information. Dr. Human, can I ask as well, what do we know now about fertility and indeed infertility that we didn't know 10 years ago? What's been happening in this space that's useful for families to know about? You know, unfortunately, the field of fertility, of infertility, as you correctly uh, mentioned, is only 40 years old. It means we don't know much. Even if you go to, to, to us experts and we pretend to know everything, we don't. You know, nowadays when we have our scientific meetings in our groups, um, we go back to the books of 60s and 70s and put a question mark behind everything we know with the knowledge that we have today. Um, what we know is, you know, the old Romans, they were saying life comes from an egg. And I truly believe in that sentence. Life comes from an egg. Um, you know, sometimes it happens that man, they are azospermic, it means they have no sperm at all. We operate them through microsurgical procedures. We find one dead sperm, one dead sperm. Imagine a man has to have, I don't know, 16, 20 million sperm cells. We find one dead sperm. Because the woman is young and has strong eggs, she will deliver a healthy baby with that one dead sperm. So here you see the reality of importance of sperm. I don't say sperm is not important. Of course, sperm is important. But I think what we know today, at the end, the egg decides if you are going towards a successful pregnancy or not. Mm -hmm. So the message is take good care of your eggs because you have only a reservoir of them. And you know, man, we don't age with our sperm. That's important. Mm -hmm. You see, you are born with this number of eggs 
and they are aging with you sometimes faster than you age. But we men, we have a very dynamic factory of sperm production. Every day there is new sperm production. So these sperm, they don't age because the sperm which is being ejaculated, this sperm has been produced a few days ago, you see. But those eggs which you're ovulating with, you received them when your mother conceived you, you oh, see. It's all on our shoulders, doctor, as the women were, were already carrying an emotional labor before we've even gone into labor. Uh, but I wanted to kind of go back to basics, if you don't mind. And I know your time's very precious today, so I'm going to try and keep it brief. But for any couples that out there who might be struggling to conceive, is there a timeline you put on it before a couple should reach out for expert help? And are there any factors at play that might change that length of time before they do speak to an expert? Yeah, I think age is a very important factor, not the man's age, but the woman's age. Um, I think if you are less than 35, 36, um, and you are trying to conceive, but you have a regular cycle, you can wait up to one year to seek advice. But if you are 35 or older, or you have any cycle irregularities, what does it mean? I mean, if you don't have a period for several months, or you have very, very short cycles, meaning 23, 24 days, uh, then maybe you should not wait too much time. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should uh, see a physician. And as I mentioned, uh, there are very simple tools today where you can identify immediately if there is any problem or not. Um, it's just a simple blood test. It's called AMH, anti-mullerian hormone. It's a very simple blood test or a simple uh, transvaginal scan where you can count how many eggs you have. Then you know if you have enough eggs or not and if you have to be proactive or not. I think that's hugely useful because there is still a lot of myth and intimidation around, you know, going to an infertility, you know, going through that process, I suppose. And it's only by having conversations like this and you explaining just how simple some of the tests and treatments are that we start to break that down. And as I said at the beginning of our conversation, these kind of discussions have absolutely exploded, whether that is through radio, online groups, support groups, um, seeing infertility journeys discussed in mainstream media. Do you feel like infertility is on the rise in general or are we just starting to open up about it more? I think we started to open up about this more. I mean, we are doing it now since more than 20 years. And uh, of course, initially it was... Uh, like you visit a secret service of a certain department when patients were coming to us. Nowadays, uh, I think that is gone and people are speaking much more open about that. Um, but still, of course, it's, it's, a, it's a topic where not everyone is uh, speaking openly about, but I think that is becoming easier and better because of these kind of conversations that we have in public. Well, thank you for your contribution to the conversation and to the many families you've helped in your time. Dr. Humfatemi joining us as Group Medical Director at Art Fertility Clinic, speaking to us from Abu Dhabi. Thank you so, so much for your time. Really, really value it and some fascinating insights there into the world of fertility and infertility here in the Middle East and beyond. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Speaking next about perimenopause and menopause with Dr. Fiona Rennie. More with Ion Health coming up on Dubai Eye 103.8.